We're on a journey uh, through the book of 1 John, and we're looking at it uh, through a series of, of questions, and uh, hopefully uh, the Lord has been probing your heart with those questions. The, uh, in the first four verses, John talked about his own experience with God. And so uh, our first question was, have you experienced God? And then uh, John is obviously in this book. He's inviting others to fellowship with God. Uh, he said, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And he said, we want to invite you into that fellowship. And so the second question was, do you have fellowship with God? And that's obviously important. One of the things that is true, we said, about a person who has fellowship with God, if you walk in fellowship with God, that means you're walking in the light. And your life is going to be tested by the light of God's presence. The light of God's own presence will reveal sin in my life and in your life. And what you do next will determine whether you can continue to have fellowship with God. John said, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So our next question was, are you honest about sin? Are you honest with God? And are you honest with your brother? And after that, we said, do you seek to be cleansed of sin? But a person who walks in fellowship with God is also obedient. You do what God tells you to do. You obey his commands. And our, our fifth question it was, what is it? that keeps you from being obedient to God. And last week we talked about the two kinds of fellowship and the contrast between them. There's the vertical fellowship that you and I can have with God and there's also the horizontal fellowship that we can have with each other. That horizontal fellowship, if it's broken, then our vertical fellowship with God is broken. So our question last week was, do, do you have uh, fellowship, or do you walk in fellowship with your brother? And unless you do, it's impossible to walk in fellowship with God. Now, this morning, I want to ask you this sixth question, or this seventh question that's on the screen. It's a question that needs to be pondered by every person in the room today. Uh, the Bible says we need to take a test. Paul says we need to test ourselves. We need to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. And indeed we are, he said, unless we fail the test. So John is one of the most important books. If you want to say, if you have some questions about your own relationship with God and you say, I want to know if I'm truly saved, read the little book of 1 John. That's his whole purpose. So this morning, do you know for sure that you are a child of God? Uh, one of the great pur purposes of John as he writes is that we might have spiritual assurance you know, the peace of God passes all understanding. You have a comfort. Last week I told you about the man who served in Iraq who drove his Humvee uh, across uh, uh, enemy territory with a cross on it, had perfect confidence that whatever happened to him, he was going to be okay. He was going to go to heaven when he died. That is the peace that passes all understanding. But uh, sometimes the Spirit of God brings to a person who does not belong to God a strong convic conviction accompanied by a sense of misery. 
I don't remember much about my life before I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior as a little eight-year-old boy. But what I do remember is lying in bed at night, very uncomfortable about what would happen to me if I died. My mom and daddy didn't talk to me about that. My preacher didn't talk to me about that. No friend of mine talked to me about that as I lay in my bed at night. The Spirit of God talked to me about that and convicted me. And I had a growing sense of need to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. So if you're here today and and there's some uncertainty in your life, you can settle that uncertainty, of course, But also you need to identify whether that uncertainty is from the fact that you truly are not a child of God. And we'll be able to identify that today by looking at these verses. 1 John chapter 3 verses 4 through 10. John said, and listen very carefully, watch it what he says. He said, everyone who practices sin practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness. Righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him And he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Now the first question, and I'm asking a big question, and I'm asking some smaller questions to help you answer it. The first question I want to ask is, What is sin? Whenever I talk to a child about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if one of your children comes to me and I talk to them about if it's time for them to follow Jesus, the very first question I ask them, and I ask them a series of questions, but the very first question I ask them is, what is sin? I believe that that a person who comes to faith in Christ must first know what sin is. Do you know what sin is? I was talking to a little girl on one occasion. Her name is Bethany Knight. Bethany's grown up now uh, uh, in college, uh, a beautiful young lady. But uh, Bethany's uh, brother uh, was sitting with us in the home. I would would talk and I said, Bethany, do you know what sin is? And she said, yes, I do. She was in in about the first grade. She said, sin is the darkness of the devil. And I said, Bethany, do you have any darkness of the devil in you? She said, yes, but it's usually my brother who starts the fight. (laughs) She understood what sin was. Sin is violating the standards of God's law. Now, when you're measured against the straight edge of God's law, you drop God's law, 
down beside your life, you can see how crooked you are. The Ten Commandments form the very basis of God's law. God said, you shall have no other gods before me. So do you? And you can answer that question by saying, do I have anything that is first in my life before God? Whatever is first or whoever is first holds the place of God in your life. You're not to never to make a replica of something you think looks like God and worship it. So idols can be on the shelf. Uh, they can be little statues that you worship. But the Bible says idols can also be in our heart. Do you have some? God said, you shall never take my name in vain. I will not fail to punish you for doing so. Are you guilty? God said, I want you to set aside one special day to worship me. It is the Sabbath day. Always remember it to keep it holy. Do you always remember it? And do you keep it holy? Have you done that without fail? And of course, God said, honor your father and mother. Every child can know what sin is. When I'm asking them what sin is, and I ask them, have they ever sinned? And they say, well, no. I said, well, have you ever been disobedient to your parents? And then they say, obviously, yes, I have. I said, well, that's sin because the Bible says honor your father and mother. God said, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, don't bear false witness against your neighbor, which means don't tell something about them that's not true. Now, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans said, you know, I thought I was doing a pretty good job of keeping the Ten Commandments. And maybe you think you're doing a pretty good job of keeping the Ten Commandments. And then he said, I read the tenth one. You know what the tenth one said? You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. And when the Spirit of God showed him that he wanted his neighbor's ox, he realized that in his heart he was a thief. And when he realized that he wanted his neighbor's wife, he realized that in his heart he was an adulterer. And when he realized that he ha had somebody in his life he did not like, that he despised, that he hated them in his heart, he realized that in his heart he was a murderer. And when he realized that he wanted to be perfect, he wanted to be known for being perfect and keeping the commandments, and he wanted glory for that, he realized that he wanted what only belonged to God, and he realized he was no better than the devil who wanted God's glory for himself. So you see, as we just run through God's law and we drop it down beside our lives, I drop it beside my life, and you drop it beside your life, we see how crooked we are. John said, sin is lawlessness. It is anarchy. It is chaos. Do you remember what happened in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina? Uh, a lot of the people evacuated the city, and many of those who didn't seemed to go absolutely wild. They broke into homes and stores. They stole. They vandalized. They shot at one another. It was chaos. It was anarchy. Even the police were in despair. It was absolute lawlessness. The Bible says everyone, sin, everyone who sins practices lawlessness. It's anarchy against God's rule in your life. Now, here's another question we need to ask, and that is simply, who is the author of sin? Who is the author of sin? Well, the, the Scripture tells us here, the devil sinned from the beginning. Sin in your life represents the work of the devil in you, the darkness of the devil. 
And the Bible tells us that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. To, to knowingly accommodate wrong in your life is to raise it up to the place of God, to bow down to it, to worship it. It's to join the devil in his rebellion for which he was cast out of heaven and for which he will spend eternity in the lake of fire. Now, what did Jesus come to do? The Bible says very simply, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. There's a good picture of that in the, in the Old Testament in the 23rd chapter of 2 Kings. There's a king who comes to the throne whose name is Josiah. And uh, this is what he did in order to destroy the works of the devil that were in existence in Jerusalem when he came to the throne. He burned the sacred vessels that had been used to worship idols and ground them to dust. He did away with the priests who led the people to worship those idols. And he tore down the houses of those priests. He stopped the practice of child sacrifice. They practiced that in the Old Testament, which, by the way, was one of the greatest sins of the Old Testament. And ultimately, it was the innocent blood that related to child sacrifice that brought the downfall of the nation. And it may bring the downfall of ours. Altar by altar, he tore them all down and ground them to dust. And why did he act with such violence against these things? They were the works of the devil. And he did his best to make sure that not one of them was left standing. Now, the Bible tells us here in 1 John that Jesus appeared or he was manifested so that he might do a work like the one Josiah did in the hearts and lives of people. The word manifested or appeared, by the way, is just simply the Greek word that means shine. He shined. Uh, the, the word here is used throughout the New Testament of Jesus' manifestation of himself. On various occasions, it, it refers to his post-resurrection appearances to his disciples. He manifested himself to them. He revealed himself to them. He shined to them. But it also has reference to his manifestation in your life. He manifested himself. He revealed himself to you. He revealed his purpose. He revealed his presence. He revealed his power in your life for the, for the purpose of destroying the works of the devil. Now, if Jesus revealed himself to you, he did so really for two purposes. One, that he might take away your sin. That's why he came. John says he came to take away our sin, that he might be our sin bearer. And we want to hold on to sin. We want to hold on to something that would hurt us, something that Jesus would take away from us. Second, he's revealed himself to you that he might destroy any work of the devil, any stronghold of the devil in your, in your life. The Greek word here means to, to loose, to dissolve, to destroy. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus uses that same word to refer to the keys of the kingdom that can loose whatever chains that you desire to be removed. If you want it destroyed, if you want it dissolved, if you want it unlocked, Jesus can do it. In Luke 13, verse 16, it's used of Jesus setting free a woman who had been bound by a demon for 18 long years. He destroyed 
the works of the devil in her life. He opened her chains. He dissolved the devil's bond over her life. In John 11, it's used of when Lazarus came outside the tomb and he was wrapped in grave clothes. And Jesus said to those who stood there, he said, loose him and let him go. Destroy those bonds. Take them away and free him. It's used by Peter describing the resurrection of Jesus as being loosed from death. It couldn't hold him anymore. And it's used of the great cosmic calamity in the last day when the Bible says that the elements will melt and they will dissolve. They will be destroyed with fervent heat. So it's complete. He didn't come to do a half work in your life or in mine. He gave to give complete victory over that which binds us to, to, to loosen the devil's chains, to melt the bars of his prison, to break down the doors of his stronghold. Every habit, every sin that besets us and so easily tangles us. When Jesus manifests himself in your life, he will say to those things, loose him and let him go. He was manifested in your life and in mine to do such a work. So do you belong to God? That's the big question that we're ask, asking here. Now, the Bible says here in 1 John, in these verses that we read, the one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. He says no one in 1 John 3, 6, no one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. And in 1 John 3, 8, the one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. These verses that remind us, they remind us that when sin reigns supreme in a person's life, it, it stands as an absolute contradiction to what Jesus came to do. Now, uh, that's a concern that we need to have in our lives. And we said a little earlier as I talked to the children, sometimes a little boy will step in the mud. Our little boy will jump in the mud. We are the same way with sin. Sometimes we'll step into it willingly. Sometimes we'll go headlong into it with all of our strength and all of our energy. Sometimes we slip and fall. We didn't intend to, but we look up and we've fallen into the mud. But that's not where we belong. Now, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 says, No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed, that is God's seed, abides in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. This verse gives us a little lesson in spiritual genetics. Hardly a week goes by when there's not some kind of paternity suit now that involves DNA. We can talk a little bit about spiritual DNA here from this verse. God's spiritual fingerprint will be a part of your life if you truly belong to him. Just recently we had a prominent politician who had a DNA test to prove Indian ancestry. Well, we can also do a spiritual DNA test to know whether or not we truly belong to God. And that's the question that you need to be asking. Jesus said, or John said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. 
obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. In John chapter 3, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 3 through 6, Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus. And Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. A child of God will not live in lawless rebellion against God. They can't. They may fall into sin, but they can't bear to live in it. They can't bear the smell of hell on their hands or the stains of hell on their heart. They will confess that sin and return to God. But a child of God is at home living in sin. It is their nature. It is the spiritual DNA of their father. A pig and a boy and a little lamb went over a green hill to play. At the bottom of the hill there was a mud hole. All three saw the mud hole and thought it might be nice to frolic in the filth. And they did. And they wallowed all day until the stink and filth of the mud hole began to get the best of the little boy and the little lamb. At the end of the day, they went home because it was not their nature to live in a mud hole. But the pig stayed because it was his nature to live in a mud hole. It is not the nature of a believer to dwell in sin. It is the nature of an unbeliever to dwell in sin. John said, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Let's pray.